everybody, and welcome to Good, Wise, and Wonderful Sessions. I'm Jessica Francavilia, and today we are talking about the transgender journey. And I'm joined by Trey Halliday Fenton, who has transitioned from female to male and has graciously offered to share his story with us. Trey is also credentialed as a licensed clinical social worker certified substance abuse counselor, and elementary education school teacher. Hi, Trey. Welcome, and thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. I I really cannot imagine a better person to be talking with about this topic. Oh, thank you, Jessica. I so appreciate it. Thank you for having me on today. Um, So this is going to be a new frontier for a lot of people listening, including myself. And You know, admittedly, I have a pretty limited understanding about this topic outside of the research I've done to prepare for our discussion. And I'm not only curious about it, but I really want to be a steward of righteous information about it in the world. So we're going to get into this a little bit later, but, you know, there's some very staggering discrimination statistics, um, which make me feel even more passionate about having this conversation with you today. Um, And we'll get into your story in a second. But for everybody listening, I, I just want to set up that I think so often when it comes to something that we don't understand, either because we have a lack of exposure to it or discomfort around it, that the tendency is to dismiss it altogether and to stay ignorant so we don't feel awkward. Um, We don't want to say the wrong thing, so we just don't say anything at all. And that um, makes us miss a lot of incredible moments with people. So what I want everybody at home to take away from this discussion today is empathy and education and empowerment on this topic so that the next time it comes up in your social circles or you read about it or you meet a trans individual that you feel empowered to be that steward of righteous information. So I've invited Trey to stop me at any point and correct me on absolutely anything to help us all learn because I'm a student today along with the rest of you. So enough of me. I want to get started. Um, Trey, I want to start just really quickly. If you can just give us uh, a little bit deeper dive into what you're what you're doing now, um, where you're living, and kind of what that story is, and then we'll jump back um, to the beginning of time. So just give us a quick up- overview of what you got going on. Absolutely. Well, Jessica, first of all, thank you so very much for just being such an incredible advocate and for taking the time to want to get to know more about, you know, just who I am and just learning more about the transgender population. So thank you. And I will just let you know that where I'm at today is I live in Honolulu, Hawaii. And I have to just say, I'm honestly living my dreams. This is a life beyond my wildest dreams today. Every day I wake up and I feel like it's so incredible to be alive today, but I can't, I can honestly tell you it it hasn't always been like that for me. And it's been an incredible journey to say the least. And I just feel so fortunate to be alive today. So right now I'm working, like you said, as a licensed clinical social worker and a certified substance abuse counselor. I'm running my own business and I'm contracting through a nonprofit organization where we specialize working with any and every type of individual that possibly wants to come in and see us, but our specialties are working with individuals on the LGBTQ spectrum. So I, I'm, I'm a one-on-one therapist and it's incredible. I absolutely love being able to hear people's stories and help people in any way I possibly can, just kind of carrying along the message and saying like, you, you, can, you can do this too. You can live authentically and just spreading aloha any way I possibly can. So that's basically kind of what I'm doing professionally at this point. And 
I like love I said, it. it's it's incredible. I love it. I didn't really ever realize how much I would love working with this population because it's new for me in the last couple of years. This is new that I'm working specifically with the uh, primarily, I'll say not specifically, but primarily with the LGBTQ spec um, individuals. And it's it's great. It's such an authentic population. I just love it. I, it's so, first of all, it's to hear somebody say that every day that they wake up, it's such a joy. That is one of the most I think that would be goals for anybody. And so that I just got chills and thank God there's no video because I'm, I was tearing up when you said that. But, um, so outside of your work, let's, let's just kind of start this story from the, a little bit from the beginning. So tell us like where, where you grew up and actually Trey and I went to high school together, which is, which is how we started having this conversation. I've been following his journey. Um, so let's start where, where you grew up, kind of what your upbringing was like, just give us a little insight into that. Absolutely. Well, I'll say I was born January 7th, 1981. So I'm 37 years old. And for the first 18 years of my life, I've lived in the exact same house. I had a very, I would say, stable upbringing. Uh, in, I lived outside of Chicago, about 20 minutes in a suburb called Hinsdale, Illinois, with two parents, mom and dad. And I was the oldest child. And I have a younger brother who's my absolute best friend in the world. His name's Billy. And I get emotional because I just feel, you know, so grateful to have been born and raised really in the, in the town that I was in. It's just such an incredible, I had such an incredible upbringing and such a supportive family. And I'm just so very grateful to have been born in a time and place that sure. I was born in the eighties and throughout the 90s, the term, you know, looking back on my life, I think it was very obvious at a young age that who I am today, it, it, it clearly makes sense. And I think people that know me very well, this is not really a shocker. But in the 80s and 90s, we just really didn't have a term for the word transgender at that time. So there weren't the really the, the textbooks on who I was yet. So I was just the typical little tomboy. I was the athlete. I was the you know, the little girl who was best friends with all the boys, you know, that type, that type of little kid. So it wasn't until I'm working with, I'm working with individuals now who are 13 years old, so young and are very, very confident in the fact that they are trans at this point in time. For me, that's not the case. It wasn't until I was a little bit older until I started realizing what was actually uh, transpiring for me. And I really believe it's because there just weren't the role models and there weren't the, you know, people on TV living successful lives as either coming out as gay or trans. I just, I didn't, I didn't know anyone in my life. I mean, it was very, it was, it was a different time then, but it was, it was an incredible, it was an incredible childhood, a very safe childhood. I was given an incredible educational opportunities and I couldn't have been more fortunate really from a, the upbringing that I was given. So that let's, um, you were kind of touching on it, but for those people that are listening that maybe have not been exposed to it and aren't familiar, can you help us to find, can you help define transgender, um, sure. for someone that may not know anything about it? Sure. And, you know, I have to just say like, just as, you know, as a, 
just saying like this is how like this is Trey's definition. You know, you may talk to maybe a hundred other individuals and they may give you a different definition. And again, like this is just my story. And so every single person that you would talk to as trans would have a very maybe different story, similar but yet different. So this is just really how I would personally define trans. And again, you could talk to someone else and it may be a little bit different, but basically how I would say it is uh, even still today, when a child is born, we're, it's typical that we would say there's a biological sex. And we've always been basing that really off of a person's genitalia, whether it's you have a penis or a vagina. That's what we've been doing since really the beginning of time. And so we would typically term that as the biological or like the birth sex. Now, gender identity is much more of how a person really feels on the inside, like how you really identify as what's say, quote unquote, male or female. Now, majority of people, majority of people in the world identify that matches for them, their gender identity of saying, I'm a man, and then they have a penis. So this makes sense. This matches for them. But for a transgender individual, they're biological sex and their gender identity, it simply just doesn't match. And so that's when we start thinking, using the word transgender is saying your birth sex, your biological sex, and your gender identity simply do not match. So that's- So it's not, there was, I had this misconception then that maybe transgender was you had to fully transition into the new, you know, whatever gender- you're associating with, but that's not the case, right? It's just, yeah, that's correct. I would say that's kind of a misconception because I've known every person that identifies as somewhere on the transgender spectrum, everyone's story is a little bit different. Like, and I think people assume that everyone that's trans wants a, a gender affirmation surgery or everyone's trans must want hormones. And that's just not the case. Not everyone does. And so this is something that we have to recognize that to each his own, really. Yeah. I mean, really, that's all it is. And to not say like, this person's more trans than that person because they've had surgeries or they want hormones. Like, I think I'm kind of a good example because really, I would go as far as saying majority of trans guys love, love having facial hair, big beards, facials, hair. They can't wait to get it. I'm different. I, I love being clean shaven. I love shaving. I don't like, you know, and that's just, that's just how I am. And that goes against, I would say majority of trans guys, but again, it's to each his own. So like, who are we really to label and saying like, how far does someone actually have to transition to, you know, qualify? Everyone's journey is very, very different. Gotcha. Yeah. And that's so interesting. You know, there's so many misconceptions I think that are out there. And it's like I was saying in the, in the intro here, you know, we just, if you haven't had exposure to it, you don't know. So I'm, I'm loving all of this information that you're giving because it is, you know, I would have not known before talking to you that it's more of a spectrum. And I love the way you said the way that you just framed it, it makes it so easy to understand. So um, but you have fully transitioned to male and I told me if I'm saying that, you know, correctly, but when, sorry, go ahead. Oh no, just, and I was just going to say, you know, honestly, I wouldn't use the word like I've fully transitioned to male because the truth is, is 
you know, before we before I knew we were going to have this um, discussion today, I was thinking about it. Would some per, would some people say that they have fully transitioned? And I do believe that there are some people that identify as transgender, and they would feel like yes. I have fully transitioned. But for me personally, I don't really feel like that as of right now. Like this has been a journey that I've been on for approximately, let's say, eight years since I would have said, yes, you know, I have recognized this, that I identify more as male than female, and I'm beginning this journey to transition. But to sit here right now and say I've fully, I really don't, I truly, really don't think so because Honestly, like I see myself as just a work in progress in all areas of my life. And so there's just, I don't know, like to say I'm fully, it's, I feel like- That almost doesn't do it justice. It it stops the the journey or the process and you're constantly evolving. I hear what you're saying. Simply because for me, it's not just physical, it's mental, it's spiritual, it's emotional. And so if I said I was fully transitioned, it's just, I want to just keep, every day I become, feel like I become more authentic in who I am. So if I'm like, all right, I'm done. You know, it's like, uh, yeah. you know what I'm saying? I just feel like I won't be done really till like the day I die. You know, it's like, I, yeah. and that's just me, you know, I'm, but I, I really do think there are people that would say I'm done. I've done it all. I've done the surgeries. I've done the name change. I've done the hormones. I've, I'm done. But for me, that just doesn't quite feel right. Like I'm not done. Yeah. I, okay. That's good. That's a, that's a beautiful way to frame. I think anybody in life, no matter what you're going through in life should follow that same path because I, I, I hear what you're saying and I honor that to say that something is fully done or completed does not give room for growth or evolution. So I love that. Um, so before, cause you had said, you said eight years ago, you started this journey, right? Approximately I would say. Okay. And so before you had started it, were you straight, gay, bisexual? What, what, like I, and I want to get into the distinction between gender identity and sexual orientation, because I think that so many people, that's another huge misconception. And while we're on this path of just busting through misconceptions, I kind of want to talk about that. So where, what, tell me about that before you had started and, and this journey. Okay, Jess. So this is a whole nother layer And this is just a whole nother, yes, talking about sexuality is just a whole nother category in itself because it's, it's entirely different. I, it's just, I can't even quite express how entirely different sexuality and gender is because when we think about the two, gender is how we identify. It's who we are as a sense of being either we would say a man or a woman, or there's many people that don't identify as either at all. Some people identify as both. Some people are very gender non-conforming. So, but it's our sense of who we are in that sense. So we'll categorize that as our gender category. And, okay. and so then sexuality, all it really is, is who we are attracted to. So whether we say we're attracted to men or women or are we attracted to transgender individuals? Many and many people aren't attracted to any pe- anyone at all, which I find interesting. But that's totally. <laughs> I'm attracted to everyone, so I mean, I can't imagine being attracted to no one. I mean, probably that would save me a lot of headaches. But but um, yeah, so asexual. You know, we have to just. But it's really who we are attracted to. So 
that so it's really that's the 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 gender is who we are and then the other is who we are attracted to so i read a great way of saying it gender identity is who you go to bed as and sexual orientation is who you go to bed with i thought that was inter- i don't know how you feel about that but that kind of framed it for me when i was doing a little research yeah so. it's a great quote isn't it it really is i think it's 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 great cuz it's behind closed doors and it's it's like an intimate moment of yes gender identity is how you go to bed as cuz it's true. And then who you go to bed with. I love that quote. So I like, so yes, Jess, I mean, where do I begin? Basically for me, you know, being born female and I was the town in which I was raised. It's the eighties, it's the nineties. I was a little girl. And so it's, it was assumed that I would date boys. I mean, it was whatever, it was what everyone was doing. So of course. And Hinsdale is a very idyllic, um, somewhat conservative place. I mean, there's very, there's very liberal pockets and things, but it it is very much little boxes on the hillside. You know, that it's like, it is an idyllic place to grow up. It is. It really is out of, it's like out of a fairy tale, you know, and it was, and so, but to suddenly realize, uh oh, wait a minute, I'm a girl and I like girls. Am I the only one in this town that feels this way? And I've come to realize I wasn't, but it kind of felt that way, you know, 20 years ago. But, sure. but, um, yes, so of course I dated boys and, you know, I was happy. I was definitely happy. You know, it wasn't like it, it, you know, but as early as I can remember, you know, my, I had a, as serious as you can have a boyfriend in, in high school. I had a serious boyfriend in high school and 15 years old, you know, he's calling me out for, you know, being a lesbian as early as very early on, very early on. In a malicious way or in a, in a, in, in just trying to just help you? No, just saying like, you know, we're together, but it's clearly I obvious gotcha. that you're attracted to your friends, you know, not malicious, but just being like, this is, and you know, at that time it was just, it was not okay, you know, in the, in the 1990s. And so I was, so it was, it, it wasn't easy though, to come to terms with either my sexuality or gender identity, but it wasn't until I did, I graduated high school. And then I was probably in my, you know, around, right around 19 that I, I went, I did, I did what society told me to do. You know, I went to a big 10 university. I joined a sorority. I was doing the deal. You know, I was fortunate. I had become homecoming queen, you know, life was going great. And I was doing all like the female things that I was, you know, told to do. And I'll tell you what, being a man in a sorority, it was, it was, you know, it was just, I was like, always just, I was always like, you know, I just feel like I'm just, I, I just, I felt like I was thinking a little bit differently than all my sorority sisters. And I just, I couldn't put my finger on why. And honestly, this was like 1999 and we just really didn't quite have like the internet resources we have today. Like I couldn't, I couldn't say things like, you know, like Siri, what's wrong with me and have Siri have Siri tell me, you know, like, like we can do these things today of like looking things up. Like I just, I didn't really have access to resources like teenagers have today at an early age. So it was just kind of a free for all of figuring it out on my own as, as insane as that sounds, it's not that long ago, but basically I did, I, um, I started, it was too difficult for me to come out as gay as a gay woman right away. So I, I came out as bisexual first and just to kind of test the waters and to not, you know, scare my family too much, honestly. But they, it was so obvious I was gay at that point, Jess. Everyone knew it. 
all, and you know, I was so fortunate, so fortunate. I did not, not once in my life experience bullying, not one time. And I, it's because I think I went to school always as like this, as a straight girl, but not one time besides, you know, like I said, my boyfriend here and there, people would say things, but it wasn't bullying like you think of. And then I would, you know, but people were saying like, you can come out, like, we'll still love you. You know, you can come out, but I was just not ready. So when I finally came out, it was bisexual. And then as a gay woman, and I, and I genuinely believe that like through my whole twenties. And then I basically, you know, it was by my late twenties, just realizing like there was more going on than just sexuality. And that was when I started realizing my gender, right? There was more going on with my, just my overall sense of like being. And that was when I started realizing that there was like the gender, the gender issues started coming up. And then I'm not going to lie to you, not in a million years would I have seen this coming, but I was very happy for probably about from age 22 to about 32, about 10 years really only being together with women. And I hadn't really ever liked being with men before. The only reason why I ever was together with men was just to kind of for an act for society to say, I can hook up with men. See, I'm straight. Like this is what I would do in you know high school. And then I started transitioning and I started taking hormones and there was just this huge switch that, that happened. And I just really the only way I can put it is I was like craving being together with a guy for the first time in my life. It was really, it was fascinating. I was like, what is going on? And you, and that was, was that just the first, I mean, that has to feel brand new to you? I was, I mean, I was freaking out of being like, are you, are you kidding me? I mean, are you (laughs) kidding me. I was, I mean, I'm 32. I was madly in love with a woman. I was engaged to get married. I mean, I was. And then you started having all these feelings. Holy cow. And I thought, I I mean, I thought I had finally figured out my sexuality. I thought I was, I was comfortable. I was like, you know, okay, I'm, I'm a woman. I'm attracted to women and women. And then it's like, okay, now I'm not, I mean, that's a trip to now be like, okay, I'm a man. I'm attracted. Now I'm a straight man. Now I'm a man attracted to women. I mean, it's like, how much more can you handle? And then there was just a shift. And now I can honestly say, you know, as far as my sexuality goes, like I'm very, I'm just, I'm open, you know, like people would, people would use the term pansexual, which is basically saying you're attracted to bisexual. We could say is someone's attracted to men or women, but being saying bi, right. Whereas pansexual, you would say you're attracted to men or women, or this huge category of individuals who are the transgender, gender non-conforming, anything in that, let's say a little bit more of that middle area. And that's a hundred percent where I'm at today. It's just, I'm so sick and tired of labels that I'm not about to call myself pansexual and give myself another label again. But if you, I was just going to say, it's overwhelming. It's exhausting. I'm exhausted. Well, and for someone that doesn't know anything about it, it's like, how the hell do you have, how the hell do you talk about it without offending someone? Now I am, you're helping me understand, you know, 
you're just helping me understand that it is fluid and absolutely absolutely so exactly it is it's so fluid and so at this point i'm as far as sexuality goes i'm literally open to anything and everything i'm single (laughs) i'm just kidding no but (laughs) i am but no i'm open to anything and everything i'm and i'm for the first time i'm really just like whatever comes next i am so over any kind of like agonizing pain or distress. It's like, this isn't that difficult. It's just, I'm a human being and I'm attracted to other people. Bottom line, I'm sick and tired of like having any kind of stress or anxiety or depression over sexuality. It's not that challenging. And then, yeah, as far as gender, I just, yeah, I feel much more confident as a man, but that's not to say I'm not very in touch with like my feminine side as well, but I do identify as a male and as, you know, or as a trans male, whatever you want to say, and then um, very open with my sexuality. Okay. Can we just talk about there, uh, you know, when, when you're having these discussions, there's all sorts of pronouns. So can sure. we talk about pronouns for one second? So they're he, him, she, her, they, them. I'm not fully aware of how to address someone. So is it okay to ask someone their preferred pronoun? How does that work? What's the best way to be an ally about that? Just absolutely. That's a great question. Thanks for bringing that up in regards to the pronouns. You know, definitely I would say yes, yes, yes. Ask people what their pronouns are. Even even it doesn't matter. Even if you're talking to someone who you can tell is a one, 100%, well, probably cannot even tell these days, but cisgender, and by that I mean someone that is biologically one gender and identifies with that gender identity. So so I would be cisgender. Correct. And and the okay. word cis, this is Latin Jess. So cisgender means one gender, whereas transgender means two genders. Simple as that. Gotcha. So whereas me, I've lived as female and male, two genders, whereas you, you were born female and identify as female, cisgender. So even if you're talking to someone who appears cis, ask them their pronouns. Just Let's just start getting this more into our daily conversation so it doesn't have to be so awkward. I ask everybody these days and because it's like, let's just start getting this to be a part of our, the way in which we communicate is talking about pronouns, asking people pronouns. The world that I live in, Jess, as a social worker, the trainings in which I go to is it's so common that when we introduce ourselves, we'll say, my name's Trey and I use he pronouns. This is a, this is the conversations that I'm personally in every day as a social worker. Hopefully this will just, I know it, I know it will, but just keep spreading to where this is how we all communicate. But if you're, if you're not, if you're not sure, ask, that's all really. Yeah. Okay. That's good to know. So I, I want to, we, you know, I want to talk about a couple of things. Um, I want to talk about the actual surgical part of transition and, um, you know, help us understand what that's like. And then I also, to kind of round out our discussion, I want to talk about society, um, and how society as a whole, what, what's happening in society with the trans community, um, both good and bad and, you know, things that could be improved upon. But let's, I'd love to start just wrapping my own mind around from a, a surgery or gender reassignment surgery perspective. What the hell is that like? And is there funding for it? In, does, it does insurance pick it up? Like those kinds of very logistical things. I'm just so curious about that. Absolutely. So, well, 
where do I really even begin? So I guess there's many, many, many different surgical options. You know, I would have to say for, let's just say for a trans guy, you know, the typical surgeries you could think of is typically referred to as, well, for both really is you would say, you know, the, the non medical terms, just the the slang terms you would say is top surgery or bottom surgery, top surgery meanings, you know, like the breast removal and then bottom surgery, basically, obviously, you know, you, we could assume what that means. And so, and it's the same thing and same things for female or male top surgery and bottom surgery. And and like I said, just to each is own. I think this is what really, I think the point to, to drive across is that not everyone that identifies on the transgender spectrum will ever want a surgery. And I, and I, and to, to jump ahead to the, what's going on in society, something that I'm seeing very positive that's happening in society is that whoever creates these rules <laughs> in our government, whoever's sitting around being like, let's create rules for transgender individuals. But they're, they're, um, they're catching on to this, that not everyone wants to have surgery, which is great because before there would be laws that would basically say that, you know, these, you, you have to have a surgery in order to, let's say, change your name on your birth certificate, which really that's kind of a ridiculous rule simply because not everyone needs wants to have surgery right or you right. have to have surgery in order to change your name on a passport these were rules that used to exist within the last couple of years and and they do they exist now or they have they has that changed it's okay so many many laws are you know we th- think about considering the fact that we're in the United States so there's 50 states many rules are state by state, state level. and so yeah. but the truth is the positive news is it's all in my opinion starting to move in a positive direction where you don't not everyone want not everyone wants to have surgery that's the bottom line but to get back to the original question is if people do want to have surgery the, the typical ones you would think of is you would say top and bottom this is just a generalization but just what i've experienced is women if you know if and when they want there are a multitude of more surgeries that women can have the capability that women will go through the surgical procedure and have compared to men. And that's just in my, and that's just what I've noticed. And by that, I mean, sometimes women will do facial feminization and have their faces become a little bit more feminine, femininized. I They'll see. have, you know, you think about like the Adam's apple or the trachea. Um, they will sometimes shave that. So like the bone. Yeah. So you think about, Oh my goodness, that can't feel good. Well, it's surgery, Jess. All of it. Beauty is pain, Jess. And so, uh, you know, so, and so the, 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 sometimes I'll talk to women that will have had, I mean, 10 or more surgeries. And it's rare for me to ever talk to a guy that's ever had anything beyond top or bottom surgery, you know? So that's, and that's just, again, this is a generalization, but there's many, 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 many more types of different types of surgeries that aren't even gender related, but just that, 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 that women can have. Now that being said, is insurance covering it? Great news again, 
we are starting to move in a direction where where insurance companies will cover it. Is it is it a hundred percent? Where I would say yes, a hundred percent of insurance companies are covering this right now. No, but actually having surgeries. It's like the ultimate victory of, because even within the last year, they were seeing this as saying, this is an elective surgery. And the truth is, it's really not. I, I mean, at the end of the day, it's like, no, this is not an elective surgery. This is to this is to have your mind and body be in an alignment. And you know, so insurance companies are doing great. Sometimes it's 90%, sometimes it's 100%. I, you know, like I said, I live in hot. Fantastic. It is. And I, like I said, I live in Honolulu. And so as of right now, we are having a lot of, some, some patients are able to stay on island for, for surgeries. Many of them will have to go off island to basically, depending on what type of surgery you need, let's just say that. And the insurance companies will actually pay for the flight and we'll set them up in hospitals off island and that's that's, wow. that's at this point in time there are surgeons on the mainland with four year waiting lists that's how many individuals want to have these types of surgeries so there's there's massive amounts of people that are now comfortable enough who are coming out and saying this is who I am I am living authentically and I'm taking the next steps to having these surgeries. And so there are an abundance of people that are wanting these surgeries. And now we're just trying to have, now the issue is trying to get the wait list down. And I I will say that uh, the leading country outside of the US, in my opinion, that still is probably top of the line where I see people go all the time is still Thailand. And we have- Why is that? The women love it. And so I'm actually going to go myself in June and I'm going to go to three different facilities and hopefully meet with the doctors in Thailand and say, what are you doing that are, that the women love so much here? You know, and I'm I'm going to go, it's a, they're using a different type of technique really that that's, and also you could basically go today to Thailand and have the surgery done. You don't have to wait four years. So that's always, you know, but it's a great country. They're great people. You know, I love it. I spent, I spent a year in Thailand in, you know, before, and it's, it's a special place. So outside of the U S that is the country I'm still hearing that people go to, uh, number, the number one top country is still Thailand. I, I really wanted to talk to you with the time we have left about, um, discrimination because from what I, the research that I have done, it is absolutely staggering. So help me understand where you're seeing that the most. And I know that you're such the eternal optimist that you, you have a very positive spin on things. So, um, where are you seeing it the most and where do you think, you know, maybe the people that you engage with every day are finding the most resistance and the most pain and where are they finding the most support and love? Okay. That's a great question, Jess. And yes, we can't sit here and act like, you know, discrimination doesn't happen. I, you know, there it, obviously it does. There's no doubt about that. But like you said, like to me, I prefer to spend my time and energy focusing on the progress that we're making as as a population. But we can't, like we, like you said, there uh, obviously discrimination exists. So it's across all facets. You know substance abuse rates are so much higher for individuals that identify on just the LGBTQ spectrum alone, especially the transgender population. There's higher rates of suicide. There's higher rates of self-harm. There's higher rates of 
homelessness, poverty, job loss, really anything and everything in every category, because you can say this is, this is a higher risk population. But at the end of the day, you know, with saying all that, you can see this is a very resilient population. And it, to me, we're, there's huge strides being made across the board. Everywhere I look every single day, I'm seeing progress being made. And so even with that being said, it's, you know, we, we can spend time looking at all the, with all the discrimination being happening, or we can step back and say, wow, we've, we are coming a long way. Just even when I came out in probably about 2010, my closest family and friends, highly educated individuals, we didn't even really know what the term transgender meant. So the fact that we're even, Mm -hmm. even sometimes, you know, like to me, it's like, all all publicity is good publicity. Even if we're seeing things in the news that aren't always positive, still we're hearing the word transgender because this. Do you think that the media is the media? You know, it's obviously something that's been, you know, all over. Caitlyn Jenner, I think, was was kind of the poster child for it um, a while back. But do you think the media is asking the right questions or talking about it and guiding the conversations the right way? Are they are they helping? The trans community, or is it almost? I mean, I would just be curious. To Jess, hear your I'm going to be perfectly that. honest with you that I've been TV free since 2003. And now, that's not saying I don't, you know, enjoy binge watching Netflix every once in a while. You know, I'm not like I'm not like this yeah. saint by any means. But to sit, to be able to honestly sit and tell you that I am sitting and paying attention to every single question that's being asked on the news or the media, I, I don't have time for that. I really truthfully don't because I like creating my own change versus falling into, you know, if I, if I actually paid attention to everything that was going on, it would, it, it seriously depresses me. I mean, it really, really does. And I just don't, to me, really like all news. I love quoting Thoreau and saying like all news is gossip. I mean, it just, it doesn't, yes, it doesn't serve me. I do the best that I can to stay informed. However, at the end of the day, I just don't have time for it. I really, really don't. And so do so to be able to say, are they asking the right questions? I can honestly say I have no idea. I don't even know what questions they're asking because I don't pay attention to it. So so hopefully, hopefully they are. All I know is I spend my days actually working one-on-one with individuals that are coming out and that are transitioning and I'm hearing their stories and what they're telling me and what I'm seeing actually like being in the field, doing the groundwork, I'm seeing lots of progress. Hands, hands down. That's amazing. So on that note, Trey, how can, how can we be good allies to the transgender community. You know, just just doing what you're doing, just getting the word out there, you know, just sharing our stories and just I think not be not being afraid to ask questions and realizing that, you know, sometimes it's like if you ask someone's name and if you misgender someone like it's okay to just say, "Oh, I'm I'm trying." I'm trying to be, you know, the best I can when someone's saying they're that they're transitioning to just be an ally to show up to ask questions to see to see what you can do and when someone when someone says they need a little help just be a shoulder to to listen to you know that's all that's all we're really asking for is to just you know just to treat us like human beings we're we're, at the end of the day Jess, we're the exact same you know we're 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 all human beings doing the best we can at the end of the day 
you know, really, that's all it is. I have one more, just one more question um, for you. And then I'm going to get into kind of our good, wise and wonderful thought provoking questions with you. How did you choose your name? Oh, Jess. So, okay. So I'm not going to lie to you. I'll be perfectly honest and say that for me, addictions are a big part of my story. And I feel so incredibly proud and honored to say that I'm, you know, been clean and sober four years as of right now. Now, that being, that being said, addictions have been a very big part of my story. So when I was growing up, my birth name's Ashley, and I spent the first 30 years of my life um, being Ashley. And that name honestly didn't really ever fit, even though I, I loved the name Ashley. Society really just didn't really ever see me as, as an Ashley. They would always call me by my last name, which was Fenton. Or when I would play soccer, people would call me Crashly or any, 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 any variation, but people <laughs> just, yeah, people just didn't, I, I, really, I, I just wasn't really like the typical Ashley. So basically when I was around 18 years old, I went from being a non-smoker to a chain smoker, just really kind of instantly, like, you know, as someone with addictions would do, I would just, you know, just, it really, they just started kicking in. And so my younger brother, Billy, instead of calling me Ashley, he started calling me Ashtray. And then that quickly just got dropped and he just started calling me Trey. And then I loved it. Like I just, I, I just always wanted to be like this really tough girl. And I'm so not like that now that I'm a guy, I'm like, just, I can't even tell you, but I just, I love that image of Trey, you know? And then I had no idea. I had no idea that like, I was actually going to fully transition. I had no idea that my life would actually get to this, how far I've actually come today in my transition. So just, I had no clue the importance of actually choosing a name and that I was going to have to be explaining my name for the rest of my life. Yeah. So even, so when I was transitioning, (laughs) Jess, I was still like, I was still in the height of drinking a lot. I'm not going to lie. And I, and I love working with people now. And I say, here's what I've done successfully. And here's what I have not done successfully. And that was one of the things is the way in which I chose my name. It was impulsive. It was, I didn't think about the repercussions that this was going to play out throughout my life. But basically it's Trey fits, you know, it really does. Like at one point in time, it was Ashley and then it's turned Ashtray and now it's just Trey and it's, I love it. You know, it's like Halliday is my middle name. I've always gone by all three names. Halliday is my mom's maiden name. And so I love that that represents my mom. Fenton, is representing my dad. And I love the fact that Trey is a name that my brother gave me as a nickname. And I usually just say, oh, it's a nickname my brother gave me. But it kind of honors your process and your journey too. I mean, those are, that was a very real part of your life. And so to carry that forward, look at how resilient, look where your life is at, look at the joy you've created. And you can't have that unless you walk through the shit, as my grandma would say, which you did, you've been there. So it kind of honors that. Yeah, I'm Trey. And it's so funny because Jess, I'm like, I'm like five to 110 pounds. And so you hear the name Trey and, 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 and like on right in, in paper, people like come in and be like, 
Yes, they are. And they and it's kind of, of like, <laughs> I'm like this little white boy, like, you know, I'm like five, 210 pounds and people will be like, I was expecting more, you know? And I'm like, it's just me. You know, and it's it's just so like Not it's just me. the funniest name, but I love it and it fits me so perfectly. But yeah, it's like and I will and I will say that, you know, that like by no means majority of people I work with do addictions are not part of their story, but it was part of mine. And so, and I just feel very, could not be more grateful to be, you know, like to have a clear mind and conscience and just to have, you know, all addictions out of my life today. That's just another layer that I just couldn't possibly be more fortunate today. So yeah, that's a little back, a little back, a little background of how that's I became Trey. Yeah. yeah. I was really curious about that. I'm like, you oh, essentially get to create this absolutely. new, you and, know, and just I like the so, like the little ones classic. like the youngest individuals I work with, everyone I work with, it's like the most special process of picking the name. And don't just don't think yeah. I wasn't in yeah. therapy and my therapist was like, Trey, are you seriously sure about this? But it's like I just I wasn't thinking <laughs> clearly at the time, I'm not gonna lie. But it's like every other person I work with, it's like this beautiful process. But I'm like, nope, I'm just going with Trey, you know. So I wanna just wrap up. I wanna ask you a couple questions, um, just about your own personal journey. So where do you where do you now seek wisdom? Like where do you find your I moments just, of, I can of wisdom? Where do you seek say, them? like I have been through quite a bit in my life. And so I am not exaggerating where every moment of my life today is literally a miracle. If I can just pause and slow down long enough to just stop and look around me, every moment of my life is truly a miracle. So I seek wisdom everywhere, every, everywhere I look, I see people changing in such dramatic ways because the two populations I'm working with really are seeing people change their gender and seeing people go from having severe addictions to getting sober. I mean, it's just, it's unreal. The miracles I see all day, every single day. So I see, I seek wisdom everywhere, just all day long. From the second I get up to the second I go to sleep, I love, I'm highly involved in yoga, in meditation, it with nature, just spirituality. I'm so close with my family, with my friends, just the Hawaiian islands themselves are just such spiritual places everywhere. You know, if I'm checking out of a grocery store, just every interaction to me is just so, so amazing. If I can just slow down long enough and just recognize that every moment is such a gift. Beautiful. And what, what do you think, you know, we, you don't watch TV, but I think what's happening in our society is there's so much fear mongering and all that we're fed is fear and what's wrong with the world and how disconnected we are from other cultures. And it, 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 it hurts my heart. So I always like to ask people, what do you think is good about the world and about humanity? I mean, if I'm in fear, which don't think I don't some days get in fear, then like, I just, there's no room for faith in my life. And so I just... And the fact of just the disconnect from other cultures, I just, I can't even wrap my head around having that feeling because I feel so connected to other people in other places. And I just, I just, I see good. I see good everywhere. I really, really do in all, in, in all human beings. And even in people that I don't agree with their actions, I somehow have the ability to have so much compassion and love for those individuals because clearly those people are suffering. 
That's such a beautiful way to that. What you're saying right now is the thread that links us all and it's empathy and compassion for something that you may not understand or agree with, but you see the humanness in it. And it's so important and it's so lacking, I think, in our society. Waking up in the morning, getting ready in the morning, you know, I, I just feel so proud to say like, wow, like I've survived. I'm alive. I'm thriving. Like getting ready in the morning as Trey feels right. You know, walking out in the world, just like if I really cared what people thought about me, I wouldn't be able to leave my house in the morning, you know? So just living, like I, I had to leave my, all my family and friends in Chicago and move to Hawaii and all by myself, but I'm living exactly where I want to live. And my family's coming here on Saturday to be with me for a week. And it's incredible, you know, but it's like, I've, I've had to make significant changes in my life. I went back to school when I was 30 years old because teaching, when I was teaching, I love teaching, but it wasn't exactly what I wanted to do. So I had to go back to school and not make money for years being in school. But it was, I had to say, I have to leave. I had to leave the family and live in Hawaii. I had to go back to school I had to change genders. I had to come out. I had to get sober. I've had to do significant amount of things in my life to just say, okay, this is who I am. Take it or leave it. And so I'm just, I'm really proud. I'm incredibly proud of you. And thank you for opening your whole world to us today. Um, I am I am humbled and you've made you've made us all feel empowered by this righteous information. And for everybody at home that is listening, thank you for tuning in and stepping into this discussion with us. Um, I truly believe that connecting and understanding is are two of the most important things in the world. Um, we are, as you've said a lot, Trey, we are all different in the way that we perceive and live in the world. So you don't have to understand it to be compassionate about it. So thank you, Trey. Is there anything that you want to say? Oh, just thank you so much. This has been absolutely an incredible experience. And I just, I'm so grateful. Thank you. I just want to let everybody at home now know today that if you, when you walk into the world, I want you all to remember to be good, wise, and wonderful. 